When talking about video games, people have the conversation about a favorite genre, whether you care about stories and games or not. But even within that, I think a fascinating conversation is this whole concept of decision in video games. Whether you play something like Mass Effect or a, or a story and narrative-based game like Life is Strange, where it's all about those decisions, there's the underlying question of, do any of those decisions actually matter? How much do they actually change the overall scope of the game and the story? Is it superficial where it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things? Or is it something that actually progressively changes things? We're going to be having this conversation on another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode available each and every Sunday with yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. And joining me, we have from London, Ontario, one Keith Hamilton. Now, Keith, in your case, this is uh, an interesting question. How much do you actually care about decisions in video games? Any kind of game that gives you that option of, hey, here's A, B, and C, here's how you're going to respond and answer. Is that something you actually look forward to? It is if there's a payoff to it. If it's something that's just you always end up in the same place, well, then it's something that becomes exponentially more disappointing but when it works it's a great thing yeah it really is and we really want to thank somebody from the uh, cast of the past discord one midnight outlaw and he directly not just suggested this episode we thought like hey this is a great conversation so i'm actually going to read his post which you can check out at acastofthepast.com slash discord and he wrote so this idea just hit me i'll throw down something i've been thinking about on one hand I love that some games give me agency through multiple choices. On the other, I hate how they often use that as a means of hiding a true path. And he's using true in quotes. Maybe an episode debating uh, whether or not multiple choices in games is good, bad, or just needs to be handled properly. Examples, Mass Effect, no true ending, but tons of choices. Layers of fear, literally around a hundred subtle choices or more that affect the ending that you get. And based on that, I actually want to ask you, Keith, directly. Uh, you know, we both played Mass Effect. It's one of my favorite games of the decade, one of your favorite games of all time as well. How do you feel like objectively speaking about these games that they say there's not one true ending because you create the ending based on the experience? Do you like that or do you prefer a game that's like, hey, whatever you do, like this is the end of the journey? Yeah, because Mass Effect is a game where if they say that there's no true ending, well, it's an outright lie. Because especially like I think you can extend this to most Bioware games. They're a company that A, do choices really well, but they do it a specific way. I've always looked at it in the form of a diamond where, and I'm talking like a baseball diamond, not the type that you would put on your wife's finger if you love her very, very much. But so you have the, the top of the diamond, right? So that's the start of the game. That's where you're beginning. That's where like everybody starts at that same point. Then you go outwards. Then you go outwards to the middle of the diamond and you have those two parallel points at the thickest part of a diamond. And that's where all your decisions lie. And when they talk about choices in video games, like, do you want to do A? Do you want to do B? Do you want to do C? Take the red pill, take the blue pill. That's where all of that lies. And that's where 
all of the decisions and the uniqueness and the different story threads that you can take live. But especially in Bioware games, like one of my favorite games, like you said, is Mass Effect. But once you look at it as a trilogy, both as a trilogy and as individual games, you've got the bottom of the diamond where it doesn't matter what choice you made in a game. That's when the ending is the ending. It everybody gets funneled back into this one small point and everybody experiences the exact same thing at the ending and i know all games aren't like that it's not just like a blanket statement of that's how it is but that's the majority of them there are examples that don't do that but most of the quote-unquote decisions in games always have that funnel point back at the very end because well like any Anything else, games need to have an ending, and you need to be able to create that ending, so it means funneling people back, and to me, that's where the thought of decisions in games kind of loses its steam and becomes more of like a, oh, well, you're not actually letting me decide how the story goes. You're deciding how I get to the end of the story instead. That, to me, has always been... Even as a kid, I remember uh, some early RPGs. They gave you like very rudimentary options that you knew didn't really affect anything. But to me, I was on the I was always in the mindset that if this didn't really have any specific consequence, just don't give me that because I get it. You're trying to be immersive, but really, you're just kind of lying to me. And based on what you were talking about with the diamond. I think the summary is: what is more important to you as a gamer is is it the journey? Or is it the destination? You know, we've talked about Mass Effect, and I think the the conclusion of that trilogy. Let's not forget there were there were actual like petitions to change the ending, right? So mm-hmm. here you have an People example. Desperately, they wanted it so bad that they chose a fan theory was more important and more factual than the actual ending that it was given. And I think the problem with that is. I don't play games for the story. I like games that have a basic story, right? Where it's you're here and you got to escape. You know, you have to rescue somebody. But I like it when a game introduces the concept of once you obtain this, you knew the game concluded. The challenge with a game giving me so many options as to like, uh, you know, we're still talking about Bioware because it's something that we grew up with, with like Knights of the Old Republic. You could choose to be a good guy or a bad guy. The challenge Mm -hmm. sometimes in many different games is that when you allow me a lot of creativity, I can have even more creativity in my head because it's like, oh, I'm making this decision. But in my head, I'm creating my own character. But if the person that wrote the story of the game, if that doesn't align with what I was thinking about, then I feel cheated because I was like, oh, here I was thinking this is building up to the ultimate conclusion. And then, oh, the, the, the writer just went like, psych. And I think that happens far too often because like it's like what you mentioned there we can't help but not just think about where we are right now but it's like oh where's the story gonna go you and i have a conversation and that conversation can be way more fun or interesting than even the actual conclusion of the game right it's true because your imagination runs wild especially as your experiencing this 20 30 hour event like it's one thing that 
almost works against movies or against video games opposed to movies because you're sitting down, you're watching a movie. By the time you've really had the ability to for your mind to go wild on how this ends, you're kind of already there. You have a very finite amount of time, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours to experience that entire conclusion. If you're playing a giant game like a Mass Effect, like a Knights of the Old Republic, you are doing it over multiple sessions unless you're like a machine. So you've had time to put it down. You've had time to spend your next day thinking about it, your next week before picking it up again. And you're giving your imagination all this time to run wild and thinking about how, well, I just did this in this section. How does this factor into everything else and if it does in a satisfying way you feel good about it and then you're almost left on the other side of it thinking to yourself like well that was disappointing and you're critiquing a game just because you let your imagination run wild almost unfairly really i forget which games and i hope in that uh, either you remember a few few examples for somebody you can uh, give us a shout out twitter a cast of the past there have been some games that give you an option. I think 3D.GameHeroes is actually one of them on the PS3 that they ask you. It's like, hey, do you want to go on this journey? And you can actually choose no. And hypothetically, the game will end, right? Because it's like, hey, if you're giving me the power, it's like, yeah, I don't need to go down that Another journey. Another one like that was uh, Far Cry 4, where at the beginning of the game, the main antagonist is like hanging out with you. And he's like, oh, I'll be back in about 15 minutes. And if you don't progress the game and just wait the 15 minutes, he shoots you and then you get an ending. Exactly. So <laughs> I bring that up. Why? Because as cool as it is, in the grand scheme of things, that does present the problem, which is... A writer knows, like, I mean, they they have to, like, whatever decision they make, they have to continue progressing through the story, which presents a challenge because any decision we make has to involve some kind of actual logical roller coaster like conclusion, right? With like all these twists and turns, which begs the question of like, how many small decisions do we get to choose in a game? as opposed to a bigger one. I think like whenever we get these questions of like, hey, maybe you have somebody that joins your party or doesn't. Like I remember uh, Star Ocean on the PS1 was one of the first games that really gave me a lot of decision-making power over, uh, hey, do you want this person in your party or not? And you could actually opt out. And that does change the conclusion of the game, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very minimal, right? Like the game still ends. I don't feel like I missed out anything. A lot of people actually went back and got the other characters like, oh, cool. I get to see that person's uh, background, but it's not like a completely different ending, right? It's true, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of times when we think of decisions in a game, we think about narrative decisions and how they affect the story, but from a gameplay perspective, like that's been happening forever, far beyond the games like had big expansive cinematic stories. To use RPGs as an example, you've been making decisions since the original Final Fantasy of like, oh, do I want to equip this item would the game be better if i did would the game be worse if i did then those are decisions that you have to think of on like a big and small scale 
Think about um, when you were talking about Star Ocean, the thing that came to mind was a Genesis game called Shining Force, which was like a Fire Emblem game before Fire Emblem existed. A What is it? An ARPG? An action RPG? Like that had permadeath in it. So all of a sudden you're making these decisions like can a pivotal character to the story just be lost? And am I willing to accept that or am I going to restart my run because I really don't want to lose this guy? But see, I actually like that because uh, Fire Emblem does that. But another really good example, as you were talking, I remember with uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, one of the first angles that they came out with was with this game, they're going to give you a little bit more decision. So if you want to take the stealth route, you can do that. But if you want to go uh, a little bit more guns blazing, the game was more action oriented, I'm going to say, than previous ones. But guess what? You still had to progress through the same area. The story mm-hmm. was still the same. And in many ways, I prefer that because from a game design standpoint, you're being honest with me like, hey, we're giving you a bunch of options, but this is the story. I prefer that because at least the journey rather than the destination, I feel like, you know, when uh, when you play like Gauntlet, right, you can choose between a sword based character or a magician. I'm still on the same journey that maybe you had, but you and I can have different conversations about, hey, the skill level or, you know, long range versus short range attacks. And I know that's a personal preference. Maybe not everybody agrees with that. It is because I'm on the other side of that where I look at a game, I think a great example of what you're talking about are the Deus Ex games, where there's a bunch of combat scenarios and then now you're looking at things like skill trees and deciding, well, I want to tech into being able to go guns blazing and have lots of health, lots of armor, big damage guns. That's how I'm going to play this game. Well, you're presented with these scenarios and you still see all the options of, well, if I was more into hacking, I could have done this instead of going in guns blazing. Or if I was in stealth, I could have had these options. And then you're left looking at things that you can't do instead of focusing on the things you can do. That's how I experience those games. And then I get like bummed out of like, well, did I do the wrong thing? Did I spec the wrong choice? Did I, should I restart the game? Like I've probably restarted Oblivion close to 80 times in my life because like oh well i wanted to play a mage today but now i want to play like a sort or i want to play a two-handed guy and then tomorrow i'll want to play a thief and you're left wanting what you don't have more than what you actually have so i think there is a way to do the gameplay side of that negatively as well and i think the the exact same thing you said now applies to the story part because as a gamer you know, let's think back to the very first games. Like Pong, you hope to win. You have to beat the other person. You have to make the decision of, do you want to make the paddle go up or do you want to exactly, make the paddle you make go that down? Choice. <laughs> With Pac-Man, you want to see the score go up. But when it's about story-driven games, you want a story that is rewarding. Now, let's say you and me play the exact same game, but it is a game that has a lot of different decisions. And I'm talking about like some some real decisions, right? Where a character can die. Like I'm not talking about spoilers for any game, by the way, it's a hypothetical example. Say I play the game and I'm like freaking bummed out because I ended, I'm like, man, the main character died. I, I'm chatting with you and I'm thinking like, well, obviously he died for you. You're like, oh no, like he actually got to save the day. I can think of that and I can either get frustrated I can get uh, motivated to maybe go back. And I think that depends on the gamer, but I think that is the challenge, right? Which is like, regardless of the choice that you make, 
you got to make the first, you got to make the person feel like, you know what? I made these decisions and I feel satisfied with that. Do you think that games, generally speaking, have done a good job? And I'm actually going to bring up a t an article from thegamer.com in a little bit talking about some games that have actual consequences. But generally, do you think that whenever they give you multiple options, they do feel rewarding? I think so as like a blanket overall statement, but... The problem with that is, like the example you mentioned, if you have a less positive choice, then somebody is going to have a better experience than somebody else. So you're left wondering, well is my time worth less than them or maybe that's just a me thing like why like okay well that sucks for me because i didn't get the good thing like i'm going to kind of call midnight outlaw uh, he's a good friend of mine out on this where when we played mass effect two together there's like a certain um like there's almost like math happening in the background of can you actually save all of these characters and get an achievement for it at the end of the game well i out of complete dumb luck i was able to get that achievement first try i totally i didn't look anything up i completely bs'd my way into it where he had to play the game two three four times in order to be able to get that no one left behind achievement because that decision was there because those storytelling choices were there that had consequence behind them now all of a sudden this thing that i lucked into and only had to spend 30 hours doing took him like 90 to 100 so is that actually okay? And like part of me wants to say no, because now all of a sudden you're making like a less enjoyable experience for somebody where at the end of the day, you're spending money on games. So shouldn't you get the most enjoyment out of them possible in the amount of time that is right for you? And I think it's a difficult conversation because I know somebody can comment and rightfully so like, hey, I mean, you got 30 hours out of it or, or 90 out of hours. Uh, out of it and whether it's bad or good it's an experience but i think the challenging part is uh you know let's keep talking about bioware or let's say any game where there's the okay infamous is actually another good example a game that's like oh you can be the good guy or you can be the bad guy for me ethically speaking i always like to play the good guy but let's be real the more fun experience it tends the to be guy. the bad exactly so i've had the internal conflict in games so it's like okay I'm giving a lot of options, and this is like a really good guy option. This is a really bad one, but do I decide based on gameplay and what I mm -hmm. get there or based on story? And then the problem is like I end up feeling unsatisfied because I have to sacrifice something. And that poses – it's like a, a character isn't just black or white, right? It's not just like, oh, you're a good guy or you're a bad guy. Even the, the most heroic superhero like Superman can also be a bit of an asshole at points. So – I think it's like, it is impossible to satisfy everybody. So I'm not just saying like, make this blank generic character, but it, it really is a challenge that unless you have an incredible writing team, that's later, sometimes they brought in writers from movies and it doesn't work because it's a video game. Like I can make a decision, you know, how many games have we played? It's like, oh, you got to save somebody. And I'll be like, no, actually I'm, I'm going to like just wander off for like the next two hours and you know yeah. I, I can finish oh, yeah, the, the mission. world's ending but you know i can go deliver flowers for this person exactly so you have to account that 
while writing this very complicated story with decision making and do you think do you think it is it is even worth long term to to emphasize so much on on a whole lot of decision making or do you think long term it is a, a benefit when you talk about like voice acting especially right it's like i think this is a very different conversation where a game was based on text, it's a lot easier, right? It's like, oh, you can write anything on the spot, but now you got to write a script and then you got to do the voiceover. You got to make sure that the voiceover is tied into the decision, but you got to make sure that the animation is also tied into the expression of the character. Do you think that's all worth it? Or would you prefer now, like Keith Gaming in 2020 and beyond, do you want just like, hey, feed me the story? I think if you, like going back to the diamond example, even though I've been talking negatively about it to a degree, I think it's the way to go, honestly, where you have your point A and the start of the game and you are slowly getting to point B and you can make these small decisions along the way that affect things and how the story plays out. Because for me as a gamer, I care more about the destination or not the destination i care more about the journey than the destination so if i'm enjoying my time getting there and i can make a few decisions that kind of cater to how i want to do it then that's great and i it's done best when i don't have to feel bad about it going back to the infamous example because i think it's a great one i had to sacrifice kind of like playing a different way than I would want to. Like there are situations where being the bad guy means like really being a bad guy or being a dick. And that's not how I wanted to play it, but I had already committed to getting the cool powers. So now, well, I kind of have to do it when you're shoehorned in that way. I think it's a bad experience, but when a narrative lets you choose your own path and not be penalized for it, then I think that's the best way to go about it. And then everybody ends up at the same place. Every game needs a final boss. And maybe it's a little different how you get there. But being able to end on the same final boss as everybody else, I think that's an important thing because it lets you just like, it lets everybody have the same experience. Yeah. And it's a nice conversation that you know, how did you beat that final boss or what did you think of that final beat of, of the story? And uh, I would like to actually quickly bring up this article, as I mentioned, from thegamer.com, 10, ga 10 games where your choices have an actual uh, consequence. And I think it would be cool for us maybe next year or at some point to actually pick a game where you do really have definitive uh, different endings, right? And maybe we bring that here. So everybody... I would have loved to do one earlier this year, but that didn't work out. Yeah, we, we, we tried. <laughs> we, all, we we almost did. So maybe something that doesn't take 60 hours to be, but we'll be talking about that in the future. But uh, it is going to be cool, right? Just looking at this quickly, we have a couple of games. Uh, number 10, Until Dawn, which is a horror-based uh, game on the PS4. So it's like a, like a horror thriller movie. Uh, did you play this one, Keith? I did. I did play it, but I haven't beaten it. And I think it does choice in a fun way because it's like you said, it's a horror movie and the choices you make either decide if characters live or die. And then it's one of those games that, well, you're going to get a different ending than everybody else, depending on if you made the right choice. Exactly. And same here. I also own it, but it was like one of the first games I bought on PS4 and haven't picked it up since. But 
I, I think it's cool. Uh, for those that don't know, it takes about 10 hours to beat, but it's a, a completely narrative-based game. So you're not physically like moving in the traditional sense as you would in other games. Another one, uh, kind of similar, but this one does give you some more gameplay elements. It's uh, Detroit Become Human. This game came out a few more years ago. This one uh, was definitely completely narrative-based to the point that when you finished a, a mission, or let's call it a chapter of the story, they actually gave you a timeline saying like, oh, like you took this ending. Did you know there's actually seven other endings that you can get? So it's Ugh. actually mixing not just the conclusion, but it does spark that curiosity of, do you want to go back and check out the other things that you could have done? Yeah, to me, that's just overwhelming. And I've played David Cage games in the past. I didn't play Detroit. Yeah, it's it's heavy. Now, something very different. Unlike another heavy game. Oh, shut up. It's also in this brain. list. So <laughs> save that for the next one here. Uh, the Witcher 3, which is very different because that's a more uh, traditional RPG. Obviously, The Witcher became just a, a phenomenon now, sparking a Netflix series, you know, based on the books and all of that stuff. I have not played The Witcher, uh, any of them. I think I played a little bit of the first one, like when it first came out. Uh, did you have any experiences with this one? Mm-hmm. I've played The Witcher 3. I tried getting into 2, but not so much enjoyment out of that one. But that's another great example of games that where you're all going to end up in the same place. It's another game that has a final boss, but the decisions you make along the way that invest that or impact the 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 micro moments of the moment or the game that you just the the uh the beat by beat the way that characters interact with each other the way that characters interact with you those are where your decisions are most important from a story angle and get you where you need to go and they they did it quite well now another game we've talked about quite a bit so just gonna quickly bring it up here is mass effect 2 uh, i think to me you know i have played uh knights of the old republic before this game I have played other Bioware games, but I think this was the first game where I was really uh, just interested in, in like relationships. You know, I think you brought up something that maybe we haven't even dabbled into. It's like, this is the journey, but along the way, you can actually choose to have relationships or not that maybe they don't really change a whole lot along the way. But it is curious to see how those play out. What's your take on, on relationships as an op optional part of the journey? I mean, if you're going to do character-based games and things where characters drive the narrative, I think you almost have to have it and not in form of like, oh, make the characters bang kind of way. But just if you're interacting with these personalities, you're going to, whether consciously or subconsciously, build relationships with them. And you're going to pick favorites and want to learn more about these characters. That's one of the biggest selling points, in my opinion, of the Mass Effect games that are the character relationships and building this team and building this squad and learning about all their backstories and how, like, deep these characters are the more you learn about them the more you get out of them and it's a great experience that way but it's so important it's so important for like building a world and building a universe yeah i think i think when done well it's like the curiosity of hey i'm making these decisions like where is this gonna go what does that say about my character i think it's really nice like uh 
it's like the frosting on the cake, right? You're not going in for the frosting, but it's nice to have that option just to see like another chapter of the story unfold. And Absolutely. And uh, but continuing with uh, Bioware, uh, number six on this list, we have Dragon Age Origins, which I just started playing, so I can say pretty really? much none of it, because uh, I had never played it before. Uh, I have it on PS3. It, it, look, I, I'm not going to beat it. Like, I'm not going into it for that because I know it's a oh, super long man. game. But, like, I want to be able to see how far I get because I hear so much about this game. What is, like, what is the, from, a, from you know, based on this topic, right, about story and decisions, what is so good about this one uh, even more so or definitely than, than Mass Effect from what you know? I mean, I'm not going to say it's better, but it's Mass Effect-like where, again, the decisions that you make are always going to have you end up in the same place. You're always going to fight the same final boss, but it's another strong game like Bioware up until this generation was so great at doing where... It's less about the big scale things and more about the interpersonal relationships along the way, like forming your party and really getting to know your party. That's the best part about Dragon Age, in my opinion, the characters that surround you and how your it's less about how your decisions impact the world and more about how they impact the people around you. And they do such a phenomenal job in that game of that. Now, at number five, uh, let's talk about David Cage once again. Heavy Rain, which is, uh, I think Ryan is a big fan of this game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what mm -hmm. about you? Because it's it's a game that I've seen very polarizing opinions where either people love it or loathe it. It's like I've seen very little people just kind of go like, meh about it. Yeah, honestly, but I'm one of those people where I'm kind of meh about it, where I enjoyed my time with it, but I don't look back at it fondly because it's one of those games, again, that has so many endings to it that you can put 10 hours into it and get the worst possible ending, or you could luck your way into the best ending. It's kind of a crapshoot, and if you are not the type of person that wants to play through the same experience multiple times, you could walk away with a bad experience experience in that game feeling poorly about the choices that you make and that's i think that's unfortunate that's not my cup of tea see now this next game i'm gonna have to play it at some point because i keep uh hearing about it alpha protocol which is a game i did not expect to see on this list so this is an actual action uh role-playing game espionage rpg third-person shooter type of game uh, i think it's part of the uh, ps3 xbox 360 generation have you played it it is I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it, how it's very Mass Effect-like. Which is interesting, because I look at the screenshots, and to me, like, obviously, this is just, like, superficial expressions. It just looks like another shooter. But every time I see in a list, people are so passionate about it. So, like, I like that, because I think when you talk about these story decisions and games and all that, it kind of falls under the traditional, like, RPG or the telltale telltale type of game formula so it's nice to see that's like saying hey, that 10 times fast yeah, telltale type yeah but it's nice right when other other genres or types of games do also take those elements agreed and uh number three you've actually talked about this one which is uh deus ex that are bringing up deus ex as a as a series they're not really pointing out any any specific one here any any mm -hmm. other comments about deus ex 
Not really. From the the ones that I've played, it's more that's more where gameplay decisions matter. Choosing how you want to go through the environments and levels that they give you, and yeah, I just I always feel so overwhelmed with stuff like that. Focusing on the things that I can't do instead of the things that I can. And then here's another game I keep hearing about with a very divided opinions. At number two, Beyond Two Souls, it's about a young girl named Jody who has psychic who has a psychic connection with Aiden, a weird, mysterious entity. You can switch between these two as you progress through the game, and each of them sees things very differently. Did you play this one? I did not because Heavy Rain was my last da- or David Cage game and haven't really been interested in them since. So I totally missed this one. I remember there being a lot of negativity towards the game itself yeah, when it first yeah. came out, but I just that completely like went right by me. Now this last one here is one I may actually start playing very soon. Already, uh, I recently got a new PC, and this is one of the first games that I downloaded. Not because it's like a stress test or anything, but it's just like I keep hearing about it. So at number one in this list is a Life Is Strange. Have you played this one? I haven't, but I've heard really, really good things about it, akin to like The Walking Dead season one. Yeah, so uh, just reading here the a paragraph. If you haven't heard people rave about this game, then where have you been? I mean, we're right here, but people love this game and rightfully so. The concept of this puzzling story is pretty unique. It's about a character who can rewind time and play out choices differently. Interesting. So they actually play into the whole decision making as part of the mechanic. It's another Mm -hmm. game that seems to explore the butterfly effect. The whole point of the game is exploring the effects of different choices and the characters are written so beautifully that it's a really endearing plot. Mm. This actually really motivated me to to, uh, play it. Yeah, hearing that, I want to check it out even more. Yeah, I really do. So, everybody, uh, just a quick plug. If I do play that, I may perhaps stream it at twitch.tv slash MrPlayerJuan. You know, given the plug here, Keith, can I mean, I already oh, yeah. did it, but can I do it? You mean that you're going to uh, stream that maybe one day at twitch.tv slash MrPlayerJuan? Maybe I'll have to perhaps. come check it out at twitch.tv slash MrPlayerJuan. That's maybe actually, it'll show up on your YouTube channel. That could happen. That could happen. But... Like, uh, as a closing thing, one real good benefit of a game that is completely narrative and story-based like this, you know, mentioned Telltale games, games that are not like 60 hours long, is that you can you can enjoy just as much playing it as you do watching it. Like, I still mm-hmm. remember you playing The Walking Dead back when you streamed like many years ago. And I love that experience. Like, I didn't hold that controller one time, but I felt like you were there with me because... I love the concept of watching you decide, being like, okay, it's not what, like, I have no decision-making power here. So I'm actually seeing not just the decision happen in the game, I'm looking at you as a gamer struggling to make that choice. And I think that's mm-hmm. even like a like a subgenre. It's like viewer porn for decision-making in games, right? Yeah, it's true. It's it's a weird meta layer, but absolutely, it's adding another layer of personality to the story that is being like presented to you because now it's not just what would I choose It's well, what did this person that I know choose and do I agree with it? Exactly. So everybody, uh, please let us know, you know, what's your take about this conversation? Do you think that you're based on the games that you play, whatever genre, right? There's no wrong answer because you as a gamer, maybe you haven't dwelled into a lot of genres that do involve a lot of decision making. But for the ones that you have, 
Do you feel like your decisions actually matter? Uh, let us know by joining uh, the Discord over at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. want to give a huge shout out once again to Midnight Outlaw for the recommendation. We have a suggestions tab there. So if anybody signs mm-hmm. up, you join in, you're like, hey. If you are listening to this and thinking to yourself, man, I'd really like to know Juan or Keith or Ryan's opinion on a certain topic, join our Discord. Just put it in there and we'll uh, we'll probably cover it at a later date. Yeah, exactly. We we love having these like very specific conversations that are not about a particular game or movie, but I think it enriches the whole experience. And out of all these games, if you would love for us to talk about or, or give our reactions to any of them in the future, uh, let us know as well. And don't forget, you can't leave that five-star review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can subscribe over at youtube.com slash cast to the past. And I think Keitha... That's it. We talked some damn words, right? I think I covered it. So now we need to make a decision. Do we end this podcast or do we go on for another three hours? Uh, man, like, okay. Do, do, does my decision actually affect the outcome or is this one of those things that it doesn't matter what I say, you're still going to end the show? I think it falls into the diamond because no matter what you choose, they have just listened to another episode of a cast to the past. That, that is so well done yet. I just want to punch you in the face. It, That's it's like me. a tone in your voice. Cause it's like, it's where I like to live my life. Oh, love you, Keith. I love you too.